Defense, swarm, swarm and tackle, attack. We get out block them, we get out tackle them, we get out hit them and hustle. It's real simple. You out block them, you out tackle them, you out hit them, and you out hustle. Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt. All right, welcome in. This is the third edition of R.J. Bell's Dream Preview College Football Bowl Mania. As we take a look at all the games going on between Wednesday, the 28th, and Friday, the 30th, we will have another, I like to call it a special episode, because when you hear special episode, people are like, ooh. I should listen to that. I feel, I feel like it's like a that's what that word makes you go. Oh, I should I should hear it even if I don't care about it. I should hear it, but you'll care because uh, it's all the all the game all the bowl games that really like I don't know like, were carefully matched up and not just two crappy teams thrown together. It's the college football playoff edition. Yes. of the Dream Preview College Football Edition. And as man as we've done all these games, it's been like oh my god, some of these bowl games, woof. Uh, there, there's been some ugly ones. There's been some ugly ones. There's been some ugly play. There's been last minute opt outs that we didn't know about. There's yep. been halftime sit outs that we don't know about. <laughs> there's just been and, and listen. There's a couple of games that we're going to talk about on this pod that we're going to say out loud. Hey, I've got no idea what's going to happen in yep. this game because we don't know who's going to play. We don't. I mean, there, there's. It's a, kind of an unavoidable thing. I hate that that's the way it is, but both seasons just become stupid. That's the way it is. Uh, they need to. They need to do something. And this is player empowerment. This is I what we wanted. But this is. I, I've always said that this is why the, the the playoffs should be. You should select. You should select the teams after you play the bowl games, because then the bowl games matter. Because every team is now trying to get into the playoff. Well, I guess these bowl games wouldn't matter, but the later right. ones would. I guess you'd still have some meaningless bowl games at the beginning. I don't know how you fix you it. You can't avoid meaningless bowl games. And the good thing is, listen, th- these bowl games are all bettable. Now, you've got to be careful. How about you award money for, like, the winning program? Ooh, a cash prize? Forget that swag Like bag. the players. Like the players get cash prizes. Yeah, that's a good call. Because now with NIL deals, it's like, how about the winning team of the bowl game? Each player gets a certain amount of money from that winning team. But then it's like, you know, there's going to be players who are like, okay, I'm going to be a first-round draft pick. Do I really care about this little? Oh, they care about money. This little mayo bowl money? Oh, they care about money. If Duke's mayo is putting up 10 Gs per player? 10 Gs? You're going to be a first-round draft pick? Well, they're getting 10 Gs. First of all, there's no first-round draft picks playing in the Duke's mayo bowl. Okay, that's probably fair. What's the Duke's Mayo Bowl this year? It's uh, Duke's Mayo Bowl is Maryland and NC State. No, all the all the first round possible picks are sitting out. Okay, <laughs> yeah, but there are there are some. They're just they're just not playing in this game. So uh, that's that is funny. Uh, all right, let's jump into these games. And at the end, what we do we do what we've done the first couple of weeks. We'll try and find a, a side that we agree on that we'll call our best bet. Try and find a total that we agree on and, and we'll call our best bet. Uh, but let's start with the military bowl. Central Florida and Duke. Duke, we are looking at as minus three, total 62 and a half. Um, I'll let you take the lead on the military bowl. Well, 
UCF is certainly going to be missing some players, right? They're going to be without um, their top wide receiver, Ryan O'Keefe, and he's a huge part of their offense. For sure. Although UCF thrives running the football. They're not an air, air it out team like they used to be. Under Gus Malzahn, they have a much more running approach. And the strength of their running game is their quarterback, John Reese Plumley, who is playing in this game. Plumley was banged up at the end of the year. He was a shell of himself in the American Championship game. But now, with a couple of more weeks to rest up and get ready, he should be fine for this game. I don't know. I, I mean, this is a, an injury they were saying was like a six week injury, and it's a hamstring. So it's mm-hmm. all. You, you never know how it's going to heal, but I, and this is the other thing that's scary for Central Florida. Mikey Keene transferred the the guy who's been the backup. Yeah, yeah, they don't. Yeah, he didn't. That's why they had to go with. Uh, They've got no depth that way. Yeah, that's why they had to now. go with the freshman kid or whatever uh, Castellanos, I think is his name, and uh, in in their bowl game, uh, not in the bowl game, in the championship game. And, and here's the thing, though, I'm not the biggest Riley Leonard fan for Duke. It's not that he. He just doesn't do anything special, but I guess that's what Duke needs. He's not a guy that's going to make so many great plays. He's a guy that's not going to make so many mistakes. And when I when I say that's what Duke needs is because Duke has really thrived this year on not messing games up, right? Not giving the games away. They have not lost a game this year by double digits. They play every game close. And the only thing that I can do to compare these teams is look at common opponents. There was two common opponents for both schools. UCF beat Georgia Tech 27-10. Duke lost to Georgia Tech 23-20. UCF beat Temple 70-13. Duke beat Temple 30-0. We know that UCF has a better offense than Duke. Duke has the better defense. Duke is, if you want to call them healthier, less opt-outs, sure. I think this is a close game. I think that I'd like to take the points. The fact that I'm getting three and a half with UCF makes me makes me like it. I, I feel like it's a, a good enough, you know, close enough game to grab these points. If you're asking me to pick a winner, I would lean towards Duke because you mentioned a little bit of uncertainty with John Reese Plumley's health. And without having their top receiving options, it's it's going to limit the UCF offense. Yeah, and, and listen, UCF's going to be limited on defense to Devontae Brown, their best corner, out. Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste, their best linebacker, out. Uh, there, there's a lot of guys who are sitting out for this UCF team. And I think just given the, the, uh, given the possibility that Plumlee's not 100%, Duke feels good to me, like it, it, because if he's not 100%, this is free money. Mm. Um, uh, clearly, to me, Duke is more motivated. That's why they've got all these guys who are playing that, that, that don't have to be playing. Uh, I think that, that having a coach who's in his first bowl game is a big deal. Sure. Well, Gus Malzahn did, ha, <coughs> does have bowl success. They, they beat Florida last year in yeah. a bowl game. But then again, that also meant something. You know, Central Florida, Florida, a little bit of rivalry there. So yep. it meant something, little brother syndrome. I, I also think, you, you mentioned this, that this is not the same offense that no. Central Florida's had the last several years. This is a run-heavy offense. Duke is elite stopping the run. And that 
is what's going to end up pushing me towards Duke. Yeah. Um, They've held opponents to under 120 yards in five straight games. Yeah, they are 24th nationally yards per game allowed, 18th in success rate allowed. Uh, and on the other side, Central Florida allows over 240 rushing yards in each of their last three games. You can run on this Central Florida team. So uh, I think both teams try to run the ball, so I like an under. Uh, this seems like a big number for a that. Couple, uh, that is where I, that is what I would lean towards. Yes, I would lean towards the under, and I just think I think it's going to be a close, low-scoring game. If I'm being honest, and especially I like the under, given what I said. There's always the possibility that Plumlee just it, it either doesn't play at all or isn't healthy, doesn't play well, mm-hmm. whatever. I think Plays that that's only a half. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a bonus. So uh, my leans would be Duke. I, I mean, there's threes and three and a halfs out there. Obviously, if you like Duke, you want a three. If you like Central Florida, you want three and a half. Under 62 and a half, my favorite play on this game. Okay. The Liberty Bowl, Liberty Bibbity, Kansas and Arkansas. <laughs> Not your Kansas, our Kansas. It's always funny when you read it that way. Uh, Arkansas minus two and a half. The total in this game is sitting at 68 and a half. And let's start with the opt-outs. Does that include Barry Odom? (laughs) Well, yeah. For Arkansas, the good news is K.J. Jefferson announced he is coming back and he's going to play in this bowl. Cool. That is the only good news for Arkansas when it comes to opt-outs. They will be without without three of their top wide receivers, without their top tight end. Uh, Jaden Hasselwood's opted out. The others are in the transfer portal. All SEC center, Ricky Stromberg, opted out. All oh. SEC linebacker, Drew oh, Sanders, opt out. Starting defensive, defensive tackle, Isaiah Nichols, out. Linebacker, bumper pool, out. There are a lot of opt-outs for a team that I don't fully trust defensively anyhow. Barry Odom, the head coach you mentioned, is, er, is now the head coach at UNLV. Excuse me, the defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. now the head coach at UNLV. Um, Kansas, on the other hand, they don't have any starters opting out. They are, as you would expect, Kansas is thrilled to be playing in a bowl game. Yeah, they do have a couple uh, injury questions. Lawrence Arnold, their wide receiver, he's got an injury question. Jacob Barcilla, the kicker, is questionable as well. Kansas is bad on defense. That's a known fact. But Arkansas might be worse given what they're going to be put on the field. They're put like there's going to be freshmen who haven't played all year getting snaps in this game. Uh, I, I like Kansas here. I like the over. Uh, it feels like that Kansas is just more – they're more involved in this game. They're excited about this game. They want to be here. Uh, I, I think they're arguably the better coach team. Yeah. I get, um, Lance Leopold gets the edge over Sam Pittman. Jalen Daniels right now gets the edge, in my opinion, over K.J. Jefferson just because K.J. Jefferson doesn't have any weapons playing for him. Uh, I think that Daniels is going to be able to make plays with his legs in this game. So – I like Kansas a lot. I actually think Kansas wins this game outright. Forget about taking the points. I think Kansas wins this game outright. Well, it sounds like we've got some agreement here because, and you mentioned Daniels and awesome. I think he's great. If if he doesn't work, if the run game's not working, being when he's and he's played a lot this year, the backup is a, the thrower. He's been good. Like I, I think there's a lot of ways to beat this Arkansas team. That again, just the fact it's so basically all their good players besides Jefferson said thanks, but no thanks. All Arkansas is going to do in this game is run with Raheem Sanders. That's it. That's all they have. 
Yeah, I, I can't. Well, I think KJ Jefferson will run too. Yeah, well, I'm saying they're going to run the ball. It's just gonna, they're going to try and maintain I, possession. The, I think they're going to have success. Mm-hmm. I think they will because Kansas defensively again, awful, awful, awful. But this Arkansas defense, Arkansas was not great defensively to begin with, but this version that they're going to be putting out in this game. Woof. Uh, I, I think this one sh- skyrockets over. Mm-hmm. So Kansas and the over would be my looks here. Let's look at the Holiday Bowl played in sunny San Diego. Ah, the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. The, listen, they're not paying me. I don't have to mention their sponsor. <laughs> I don't have to do that. North Carolina and Oregon. Interesting game here. Oregon will be without their O.C., they will be at without a couple pieces on defense. North Carolina will be without Josh Downs, their best wide receiver. And they will be without most of their secondary, who's in the transfer portal. But I don't know that North Carolina not having their secondary is any mm. reason to, like, you know, cry a river. They'll, they stink. Both of these defenses are dreadful. Oregon will be without their best pass rusher in this game. So it could be even worse. I don't know if North Carolina will make a stop in this game, though. I don't know that they – like, Oregon might score every time they get the ball. Worst defense in the ACC. And I do have some concerns about North Carolina without Phil Longo, who's gone to Wisconsin, uh, and, of course, Downs. But I think Drake May is – I mean, Drake May, who is playing, I feel like he's going he's gonna to want to show out. This feels like too many points, though, in a bowl game that is going to feel like seven-on-sevens. I'm not willing to lay 13, 14 points with either, either team. I, I like the over. Uh, it, the numbers tick down, actually. It's at 13 now. Kind of it looks like it's painted 13. It was 14 earlier when I was, you know, when I was mm-hmm. doing my notes. So that tells you that there's, there's some money that's come in on North Carolina. Again, I'm not dying to go out there and, and you know, uh, take these points. But I'm certainly not going to lay 13 with an Oregon team that that I don't totally trust right now. I think this is gonna this game is gonna have fireworks. You have two elite quarterbacks in May and Bo Nix who are gonna just torch both defenses. North Carolina's defense because they stink, and Oregon's defense because they're missing a ton of players. Oregon. Uh, they're the better team. They have the much better offensive line in this game. They'll protect Bo Nix. So if I'm going with a side, I think Oregon has enough firepower on offense and, and certainly the better of the two defenses to win this game by by double digits. I think the over is absolutely in play. I think this is going to be one of the more exciting games that we're going to watch of bowl season just because of both of these quarterbacks. 75. That's a that lot is of a points. big number. But like this feels like it could be one of those I don't know, 47-44 type games. Like, just back and forth with both of these quarterbacks making play after play after play. I mean, we just saw today, when we're recording this Tuesday night, we saw East Carolina and Coastal Carolina just run up and down the field on each other. Uh, It ends up in the 80s with a hurt quarterback, by the way. Uh, So, yeah, this feels like that, that same type of track meet. All right. Boy, it sounds like we're liking a lot of points in these games, like at least the last couple. I like points in this next one, too. The Texas Bowl, Texas Tech and Ole Miss. Ole Miss favored by three and a half total of 71. Both of these teams look like they're going to be mostly intact coming into this game. Uh, and I think, like I said, both these teams are going to have plenty of success on offense. They're, the pace is going to be outstanding in this game. Uh, Tyler Shuck looks like he's going to play. He's going to put on a show. 
I like Tech defensively in this game. I think they've got some advantages, but even those are minimal. Again, I, I, I think Tech understands the importance of this game because it is being played in Texas and their recruiting fields. Neither coach is going to take off the gas mm. that you know Lane well, – when's the last time you saw Lane Kiffin say, all right, boys, call it off? No, that doesn't no, no, happen. He scores with a minute left in the game. I, I, And the fact that this game is played indoors, there's no worry that weather is going to impact it. Fast track, 71 feels like a very, very gettable number for a total here. Uh, I lean Texas Tech. I like over 71. I'm the same way. It's Texas Tech and the over for me. Um, you know, Tyler Shuck is going to be able to do whatever he wants against this defense because they don't get after the quarterback. You know, Ole Miss does not pressure the quarterbacks. He's going to sit back and have a ton of time to throw, and that's what happens. I mean, Ole Miss gets torched as far as yardage is concerned. But that's, you know, that's like the price they pay for the, the style of play that they do. You know, they score quickly on offense, and they put their defense in bad situations. Jackson Dart, definitely capable of doing things with his legs. So I, I do like that aspect of, of Ole Miss's game. I just think both of these teams should be able to put giant numbers up on both on, on each other. Um, Ole Miss has a ton of players that uh, went into the transfer portal. None of them are really like you know that important starters, uh, but still depth is going to be a concern. And you know, I, I get. I obviously I give the coaching edge to Ole Miss. The defensive edge is not even close. It goes to Texas Tech. The offensive edge goes to Ole Miss. I think this is going to be a fun game. This is going to be a fun game to watch. If I had to choose a side, I would take the points because it would not surprise me to see Texas Tech win this game. All right, let's go to a game that I don't think will be as fun. The Pinstripe Bowl. Syracuse, Minnesota. Minnesota favored by nine and a half points. So take the points here with Syracuse, and I'll tell you why. It's a home game for Syracuse. Mm-hmm. I know that the Bronx is not close to Syracuse, but Syracuse is New York's team. And there are countless amounts of Syracuse alumni in the city. And I've been to Syracuse games, whether it's, uh, they played at Yankee Stadium. I think it gets Notre Dame one time. They, they did. Uh, they've been in. I think they've been in pinstripe balls before. But this is going to be a... A pro Syracuse crowd, I promise you. Most of Yankee Stadium will be all rooting for the Orange. Let me see. Did Syracuse play in the pinstripe bowl before? Uh, Yeah, they played the the first one against Kansas State. Then they played in the third one against West Virginia. They beat Kansas State 36-34. They beat West Virginia 38-14. So 2-0 playing in the pinstripe bowl for the Syracuse Orange. This, like I said, this is a source of pride. This is a home game. You play this as far as all the all the the broadcasting alumni that might be at this game. You want them to donate money for your to your program. You show out in front of them. That's why it's important for them. Biggest loss, obviously, Sean Tucker, the, like the only good player on their offense. Well, they have won games though, or they have performed well in games without him being the main reason. Here's they the have problem. transformed their offense this year. Yeah, they started out 6-0. and They won a bunch of games early. Yes. defensively. And then they did nothing in the second half of the season except beat a crumb-bum Boston College team. Yes. Like this, is, this was the phoniest contender early mm-hmm. in the season. That's why I can't back Syracuse here. I think they showed their true colors in the second half. And now without Sean Tucker, who's 
I mean, literally the only bright spot about their offense. Uh, Their OC is gone. Robert and I, now he's gone to NC State. The offense is going to try to lean on Schrader. He's a solid runner, I guess, at least. Yeah. I didn't even mention Syracuse without their DC, who took the same job at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. The task for when you play Minnesota is slow down Muhammad Abraham. He is one of the best backs in the country. The fact that he is playing in this game tells me it's important to him. Or this guy is an inv- he's in the NFL. Like, or he only plays a half. Or he, he could. We don't, we don't know. You, that's true. And you run the risk with a guy that has a future like that. You run the risk with a guy in uh, their center who might be a first-round NFL pick. Yeah. I don't see Minnesota trying to throw the ball. No. Like, that's just not what they do. And the ACC is weird. So, like, when you look at Syracuse and you look at the their, you know, their game log, how they've done against rushing teams, like – the ACC is a weird blend of teams that don't try to run mm-hmm. the ball ever at all. So if you look at Syracuse's season-long numbers, it's like, oh, they're not bad against the run. When you dig into the teams that committed to run against Syracuse, you look at Florida State. They ran for one million yards. <laughs> you look at Notre Dame. They ran for one million yards. I don't know that I trust their defense. I know Minnesota's going to commit to the run. That worries me. Here's what I don't like about Minnesota. Everything I've read about this game, P.J. Fleck and Dino Babers are buddies. Mm -hmm. I don't think – and I've seen P.J. Fleck in bowl games blow teams out, humiliate teams. He's saying he's not going to run up the score. I don't think he wants to blow them out. I think that this – I just think one team might be a little, you know – I don't want to say overwhelmed, but kind of like mystified by the atmosphere. You're playing a football game at Yankee Stadium. It's kind of cool, right? It's kind of cool for these college kids. For Syracuse, it's 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 nothing. And like I said, it's going to be a home game for them with the crowd. And if they're going to commit to the passing game, and with Garrett Schrader's ability to run the football, it helps that Minnesota is dead last in college football in tackles for loss. So they're not getting in the backfield. Schrader will have time to throw as long as he handles his business and doesn't make any errant throws. He should be able to have a good day. I think Syracuse keeps this close. I'm not tell, I'm not saying a 10-point dog is going to win this game outright. I think they're going to keep it close. All right. So it looks like we we disagree a little bit on this one. I, I'm, I would say I, I'd lean to a, to Minnesota here. I don't think there's a lot of points scored in this game. I, I don't know that's, I don't know how Syracuse scores is my biggest concern. Like it, w- Without Sean Tucker, I don't know where their offense comes from. So that's why I, I'm leaning to Minnesota here. Let's look at the Cheez-It Bowl. Boy, you talk about a team that is skyrocketing right now. Stock is rising on Florida State, and they get a team that could not be any more brand name based because Mm -hmm. there is nothing else to like about this Oklahoma team. There's panic in Norman right now. They they are having – there's major opt-outs, major transfers – Eric Gray, who's essentially the only good thing they're running back about the the Sooners' offense this season, he's opted out. Both starting offensive tackles are out. Their defensive tackle, Jalen Redmond's opted out. The offense took about 100 steps back under Venables. And you'd think, well, that makes sense. Lincoln Riley was so good on offense. But I'm sure the defense is better, right? No, the defense is worse somehow. Like, 
I don't know what's wrong with this team. And here's the other thing. Florida State, boy, they're excited. This team is pumped. They don't have major opt-outs. They won their last five games, 4-1 and one ATS. I think if you said today, you put if you said no opt-outs, everybody, like you're playing for the ACC championship, who's the best team in the ACC today? I think it's Florida State. Mm. And the announcement that Jordan Travis is going to come back next year, I think, guys, they, they've got this whole program buzzing. Uh, the bad thing is Florida State stinks in the secondary. I don't know that Oklahoma can take advantage of it. This game is big for Florida State in that even though Oklahoma, they suck, mm -hmm. they still have a brand name. This is big. If Florida State were playing, I don't know, throw me a, a UAB. I think UAB is a way better team than Oklahoma. If Florida State were playing UAB or Troy, this game wouldn't be – it wouldn't feel as big. Yeah, The flash of beating Oklahoma even while they're down is is awesome. They're going to get to 10 wins with this win. I th And when you look at the ACC next year, Wake Forest, quarterback, leaving. North Carolina State, quarterback, leaving. Uh, North Carolina – I mean, North Carolina, best receiver, leaving. Yeah. Clemson, uh, Clemson their quarterback, over. leaving. Cle well, that's a good thing for Clemson. But guess what? Florida, Florida State's a buy team. Like, I, mm -hmm. I think Florida State is, like I said, they're skyrocketing right now. I like Florida State minus nine. Uh, I like over 66. I think they have their way with this Oklahoma defense. So, I think Dylan Gabriel is talented enough to make plays against Florida State and possibly keep Oklahoma in it for a little bit. If anything, I like Oklahoma in the first half. And then I think everything goes downhill. Because I think what's going to happen is Oklahoma is going to have to sell out to stop the run and just force Jordan Travis to beat them. It might work in the first half. In the second half, the lack of depth, the opt-outs, it's going to catch up to them. So I think Oklahoma keeps it close for a half. I think Florida State pulls away. I also wouldn't be surprised to see Brent Venables, who did not have a good first year as the head coach, to treat this game as a jump start on next season, which a lot of coaches are doing now in these bowl games, to, he's going to play some underclassmen and see what he has as they get ready for spring football. So I think Florida State pulls away in the second half. If there was a, if it was like a, you know, multiple bets I'd make on this game: Oklahoma first half, Florida State second half. All right, let's go to San Antonio, where. We're playing the Alamo Bowl, Washington Remember and Texas. Remember the Alamo. Remember it indeed. Excuse me, where's the basement? <laughs> uh, Washington is a three-and-a-half-point favorite, or excuse me, a three-and-a-half-point dog in this game. Total oh, I don't get it. Is 67-and-a-half. And I think the opt-outs are what you're going to hear about the most for Texas. Yes. There's no Bijan Robinson. Correct. No Roshan Johnson. Correct. Uh, no Demarion Overshone. Correct. I, I don't know if the list is done. There may be more opt-outs come game day. Here's what I will say, because I know there's a bunch of people who are like, Washington's a slam dunk. Texas has the best running back depth in the country. Those two guys sitting out is, I mean, B. John Robinson's the best running back in the country, mm -hmm. hands down, in my opinion. It's, it's, you're not going to upgrade with him out of the game, but Jonathan Brooks has run really well in limited duty this year. And Jadon Blue 
is was the number one running back recruit in the country who's just been sitting and waiting. Mm-hmm. The, the like of all the running backs in the country, they said you're the best one. And he said, okay, I'm going to Texas. I know this kid because he went to the same school in Texas that my son was going to. So we're talking about real depth at this position. I don't think it's the end of the world. The cupboard isn't bare here. That said, the things that Texas does really well on defense probably don't matter against Washington. Texas, great stopping the run. Well, guess what? Washington doesn't care. They don't run the ball. Texas, great getting after the passer. Guess what? Michael Penix gets the ball out so fast it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Uh, the, they are a quick pass offense. They pick apart zones. Guess what Texas plays exclusively in the secondary? Zone. Mm-hmm. The home field advantage, though, is big for Texas. Obviously, the Alamo Dome is about an hour and a half from campus. I think the edges point a little bit to Washington. I've heard a lot of people say this is a slam dunk, slam dunk. I don't think this is a slam dunk. What I do think is that both teams have plenty of offensive success. Washington, who has been DBU, they've been putting corners in the in the pros for like the last decade and just reloading. They didn't do that this time. There was no reload. Their secondary is abysmal. And without these running backs, I don't think anybody in the country, I don't think any, maybe Cade Klubnick, I don't know that there's another quarterback who benefited more from these extra practices than Quinn Ewers did because he wasn't in a pro-style offense last year. He didn't, or in, at Ohio State. He wasn't, he wasn't taking first-team reps, first of all, but he wasn't, it wasn't a pro-style offense. I think he benefits. I think Ewers has a great game. He's had some duds. I can't picture him having one here against this secondary, but I think Washington has tons of success too. I lean to Washington getting points here. I like the over 67 and a half. Let me ask you something. If Ewers does not have a good game, mm-hmm. does it feed into the conversation about Arch Manning being sure. the quarterback next year? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think. So would you say that there's pressure on I don't, Ewers in this game? Yeah. I don't. But I mean, God, if you've, if you've got pressure, the first, the, like if I could pick a defense to have a cross for me in this yeah, game, sure, it'd be that one. Sure. But in a game that you know you're going to have to score on every drive because the opponent is probably going to score on every drive, all it takes is one or maybe two Quinn Ewers interceptions, and Washington pulls away in this game. I don't think Michael Penix gets stopped. They are the best third-down team in the country. They don't get stopped. And I, 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 I get it. Texas has extreme amounts of talent. But without relying on their running game, I don't know if they can keep pace with Washington scoring. But that's points. what I'm telling you. I think they will still have success running the football. They will still these the running backs that they have for depth are elite running backs. I, we'll be talking about these guys next year. And you're right. Nobody's nobody's been stopping. Uh, nobody's been stopping Washington. But they've also been playing in the Pac-12 where yep. defense is very, very optional. Um, it, it, it's I, I, d- I don't know that I'm buying fully into how great this offense – I think the offense is good. I think Penix obviously is, is good. And I think he's motivated because this is his first bowl he's game. He's motivated because he should have been invited to New York yeah, for so the Heisman ceremony. I, I think This guy he, had better numbers than anybody. I think he has a big game, 
but I'm not buying into that Texas is somehow overmatched because they don't have running backs in this game. I, I, I don't believe that to be true. So, again, I'm not, I'm, I won't play the side. I like the over because I think both teams have plenty of offensive success. Here. Yeah, I would agree with that. I go Washington in the over. All right. Let's take a look at the Mayo Bowl, the Dukes Mayo Bowl, Maryland. I just F- want to tune in for the final minute to see, just mayo to see dump. the coach get dunked with Mayo. Maryland at NC State, uh, NC State minus one. And this is another game where you don't have a ton on the field for either team, really. Major opt-outs for both sides. The Maryland passing offense that was so good this year, and really the reason why they are bowl eligible, mm-hmm. their passing offense was fantastic. Uh, Talia Tonga-Vailoa will play. No one else will. <laughs> no one else will. Four of their top six receivers out for this game. And NC State defensively, they're, like given all those givens, the opt-outs for NC State, the uh, the opt-outs for, for Maryland, I didn't mention any for NC State. Devin Leary's not going to play, obviously. But NC State's and defense. And they're missing um, – some receivers as well. Yeah. Yep. NC State's defense is by far the best unit on this field, like it, on either side. Uh, this game would have been really interesting in the regular season. I'm not sure how much offensive success either team can have. Uh, Tim Beck is gone. He's going to be the coach at Coastal. It, it, the Maryland defense is dreadful. I, I don't know. I just I don't know what to expect. Because, again, I don't think North Carolina State's going to light it up. No. But if you're going to light it up against anybody, it could be this Maryland defense. But And I don't know what to expect from Maryland without all their wide receivers. I think NC State has more motivation. Their bowl game last year got canceled. UCLA Mm -hmm. had the COVID outbreak. Um, I would lean NC State. I would lean under 46 here. I would lean the under, yeah, and NC State as well. Uh, I think that it's – look, it's a home game, you know. Uh, for NC State, right? How far is Raleigh from Charlotte? It's, it's got to be close, A couple right? hours, I'm sure. Two hours, maybe? Who knows? Still, you, you would expect them to have more fans at this game, uh, play with a little more pride, playing the game in-state as well. NC State's defensive front can get into the backfield. They, they've done. They've had great success. A lot of tackles for loss this season. I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Talia get sacked a bunch of times in this game or at least get panicked and have to run the ball, especially when his receivers don't get open because they're new wide receivers, and this is the only time that he's had really practicing with these guys this, this, you know, this time getting ready for this bowl game. I think it's going to be hard on Mike Loxley to, to really get a, a good game plan going without – Many of his pieces, again, I keep bringing this up, coaches treat these bowl games like an extension of the offseason. And I think that's what this is for Mike Loxley because he's missing so many key players from this team that he needs to see what his team's going to look like in 2023. So you're going to see a lot of players playing that the announcers are going to say, hey, this guy only had uh, three catches this entire season, or that's his first catch of the season, or that's his first touchdown of the season, whatever. I think there's going to be a lot of inexperience on the field for Maryland, and that's why I like NC State. Raleigh, about a two-and-a-half-hour drive from Char- or to Charlotte, mm-hmm. and actually College Park, only about a six-hour drive to Charlotte. So I'm sure there will be some fans for both teams there. Um, but again, what are these Maryland fans coming down to see? Uh, okay. not, He's not, gone. Not their offense. Yeah. Uh, Talia's got other things to worry about. His brother just had his ninth concussion. Oh boy. All right, let's look at the Tony. Is this the Tony the Tiger Bowl or the Sun Bowl? It's the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. 
So is Tony the Tiger the sponsor? Yes. But Tony the Tiger isn't even a brand. Kellogg's Frosted Flakes is the brand. Yeah. But Tony the Tiger is great. I don't understand this sponsorship at all. Like, if I, if I said, okay, let me go buy some Tony the Tiger, you can't even buy it. But at least it's one of I guess the, it's better than the Frosted Flakes Sun Bowl, but. Sure. But at least, it, yeah, that'll be right. But at least it's one of the few bowl games that's played in the bowl game. Name? Yeah, that's why I thought like the maybe Sun Bowl is played at the Sun Bowl. The Liberty Bowl is played. At, well, it's not that's called, why I thought it's called maybe the Liberty Bowl Stadium now. But I thought maybe this was the Tony the Tiger Bowl being played at the Sun Bowl. See that would that that I, I I can see your confusion, but no. Okay, it's the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl played at the Sun Bowl. By the way, you know, ever since Jerry's World came around and the Cotton Bowl doesn't get played at the Cotton Bowl anymore, mm-hmm. it's very frustrating. Oh yeah, but at least they still have. Texas and oh, Texas OU always OU there. at the yeah. Cotton Bowl. Well, that's because yeah. the Texas State Fair. Listen, that's I, I've been to. Is there anything else the Cotton Bowl is used for besides Texas and Oklahoma? high school football playoffs? Okay. Um, yeah, there's a couple games they play there every year, but like the rodeo, not much. <laughs> they don't do much, and it's not a good stadium. Like it's super outdated. Like if, they should probably tear it down. Yeah, but because they have the the uh, the State Fair there, they won't. I've been to probably a dozen of those games, mm-hmm. and it's an awesome atmosphere, but no big college football games get played in stadiums that crummy anymore. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. Well, the Sun Bowl's still around in El Paso, and that's why the Sun Bowl is still played at the Sun Bowl. My favorite Sun Bowl memory, and if you YouTube this, there's a clip. Uh, like, you know how they have that mountain uh, yeah, in it's, one it's end a, zone? It's an incredible scenery, scenic sight. There is a, there's a, a video of a, a random UTEP game where a guy was getting a hand job up on that mountain. Oh, nice. And the camera zoomed in on the chick just <laughs> working it. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's my favorite Sunbelt memory or my sun, my sun Bowl memory. I don't know that I will say this. This game, Pitt UCLA, UCLA minus six, 53 and a half the total. This game, probably more than any other game, epitomizes the difficulty of handicapping the bowl season now. Hmm. Pitt, think about this. Pitt, probably a worse team than UCLA, full strength. I, I, and I say probably, and I mean absolutely. Yes. Like UCLA is better. Yes. Pitt is going to be without Keaton Slovis. Correct. Their quarterback. Mm-hmm. They will be without uh, Kalia Kansi, their all-American defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. They will be without their all-ACC linebacker, Servassier uh, Dennis. They will be without their all-ACC running back, Izzy Abanaconda. And that's like just a start. There's like four or five other mm-hmm. players who have opted out, like starters. I saw nine starters opted out for this game. Yet somehow UCLA is only a six-point favorite. And you would say, well, what about all the opt-outs for UCLA? That's where the difficulty comes in. Mm. There has been no announcement on DTR. At this moment, as we record this podcast, it appears that DTR is playing. He's been practicing. Yeah. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, been practicing. Mm -hmm. Jake Jake Bobo, been practicing. Yep. Do we think they're going to play? If you think those three guys are going to play, minus six is literally free money. Yeah. Like, it, it, against the pit backups. I just don't – in my mind, I think, 
Why would those guys play in this game? There's no reason. So to me, that's Especially that says, after the season ended in disappointing fashion. Yeah. That's why I haven't run to place a bet on UCLA because I feel like there's going to be a bunch of people with UCLA tickets who are begging FanDuel and DraftKings for refunds because <laughs> I didn't know GTR wasn't going to play. I played over 400 yards. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what you're going to see here. And the fact that it's still at six makes me feel like someone knows something that I don't know. That's enough to make me want to stay away. I can't make a decision without more information. If it's if for whatever, even if it's for a half, and they say UCLA's offense is going to play the first half. Yeah. I, I like UCLA minus six. I'd probably play it to 10. But I don't know that that's going to be the case. And if those guys aren't playing, I don't want, A, I don't want to watch this football mm-hmm. game. I don't want to have any money invested in it. I don't. I'm not an insider enough uh, with UCLA's program to know the truth. I don't. I don't think anybody knows, but it seems like someone does. I'll say this: Give me under 53 and a half. For one, I think Pitt's offense is a disaster. Uh, no running game. Mm-hmm. No quarterback. It, it's a mess. And if UCLA doesn't play these guys, their offense is going to be dreadful as well. Under 53 and a half feels like the only play I could look at here. Let me ask you a question, though. What is Dorian Thompson Robinson's NFL draft prospect? Like where, like, where would he go in the NFL draft? Probably third round. Maybe even later than that. Okay. I don't think him opting out of this game to prepare for the NFL draft does him anything. Okay. I think that he takes this moment, at least if I were him making this decision, all these players now, they got insurance on their injuries and everything like that. He can probably make some money in NIL or, or make some money on the side doing some commercials if he has a big bowl game performance, whatever. I just think that take the time and play your final game as a, as a collegiate student, maybe even your final game ever as a star because his future might be in the – XFL, right? And maybe he's the star of the XFL. I just don't see Dorian Thompson Robinson as a highly touted NFL quarterback. No, I don't either. But I mean, I think he's an NFL quarterback. I think he's it's like somebody's going to look at his tools and go, "Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that way if I get a use a fifth round pick on that guy, a day three pick." Yeah, yeah, I'll take that on my roster. Um, but you're, you're right. I mean. Could he could he have one more shining moment? Yes. I just don't know what anybody's motivation is. So that makes this a total stay away for me. Uh, let's look at the Gator Bowl. South Carolina and Notre Dame. Notre Dame, two-point favorites, total of 52. And this is another game with massive amounts of opt-outs. Uh, South Carolina, Spencer Rattler is going to play, which great news. But that's about it. Might be the best player on the field. Yeah, Marshawn Lloyd. Uh, there, who's going to be an NFL running back in the portal. His backup has been injured. He's questionable for the game. South Carolina had multiple, like, top-tier pass-catching tight ends while they've all opted out They are transferred. They, they're not going to be there. We don't even know who's going to call plays for South Carolina because Marcus Satterfield's gone. Notre Dame's going to be without Drew Pine. Okay, not the end of the world. Except Buckner is like questionable. If he mm-hmm. like he's been, he was supposed to have 
season-ending injury. Like, it, like he, his shoulder, he was done for the year. Now suddenly like, oh, yeah, no worry. He's going to play, and he'll be playing without Michael Meyer. The, Which is the biggest loss. The, the, best, the best player on Notre Dame. Uh, Isaiah Fosky, uh, excuse me, Isaiah Fosky, their, their uh, defensive end, he's out. The one thing that I know is going to be there on, on game day is Notre Dame's rushing attack. Yes. And that's the only thing that I can trust in this game. South Carolina stinks against the run. Notre Dame, the only way I can look. But I think this is a pretty ugly game. So I, I lean Notre Dame. I lean under 52. Notre Dame's decide in this game. That's the only way I can look is because of their running game. Uh, I believe they're 6-0 and this year when they run for over 150 yards. Yeah. I think they'll get there. And if Buckner's banged up, what, what incentive do you have not to run the ball? That's just – this is – you know what? They played really well uh, for Marcus Freeman at times this year, but this is this is a, a time to kind of put a stamp on this season, move on. It wasn't as it wasn't as successful as you wanted it to be, as you expected it to be, but good things are coming next year. Sam Hartman probably going to be their quarterback next year. That's the rumors right now that that's where he's going, and then this Notre Dame team is going to be a real contender. Next year, so well, I, uh, but if they get Sam Hartman, it's yeah. like woof. Yeah, yeah they're, they're real contender real. next year. Uh, the spread is low enough to me that it's almost pick the winner of the game, and I, I'm going to go with Notre Dame over South Carolina. All right, let's look at a real fun one: the Arizona Bowl, Wyoming and Ohio minus one and a half, forty two and a half the total. I've been saying since Rourke got hurt, I will not back Ohio without him. Well, that that may change because mm-hmm. Wyoming has everyone in the portal. Their top four running backs are going to miss this game. One to the NFL, and uh, that's uh, Titus Wynn, who was dismissed from the team after the Fresno game. He entered the portal, then changed his mind, said, nope, I'm going to the draft. One is transferring. Two are injured. Whoever starts at running back for Wyoming will be getting their first snap of the season yeah. in this game. And this is the this is the bad thing for Wyoming. They can't throw the ball. Well, Wyoming doesn't all, throw. And and they're also gonna be missing their number one wide receiver, yeah. Josh Cobbs. I don't know how their offense functions. This is an eighty percent run o- offense that is without running backs. I don't know where the offense comes from. Again, I don't know where the offense comes from for Ohio either without Rourke. Their offense is just dreadful mm-hmm. without him. Uh, I guess I, I just I have to lean Ohio minus one and a half because I, I've i at least seen their crappy backups play. But under 42 and a half, God, it sucks playing a bowl game under this low. But where do the points come from? I don't I, know. I don't know. Um, I think Ohio is the only way to look in this game. Um Wyoming's not going to be able to have a lot of success. Um, Ohio frustrated losing in the MAC championship game, but probably happy to get into a bowl game that is sponsored by Barstool Sports because I think they're going to get a lot of attention uh, that they wouldn't have necessarily gotten playing in some other bowl games. And I I think that they're going to enjoy this experience and – you're not going to be able to watch. I think it's only televised on Barstool, so that's the only way you're going to be able to watch this yeah. game. Uh, Ohio is the way to go in this game. There's a lot of support for the Mac in at Barstool. They love Mac schools. Wouldn't be surprised if uh, 
some some shady stuff goes down. Oh, not, no. uh, I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but uh, I just think in a in a in a game, yeah, they they want Ohio to win. All right, let's look at the Orange Bowl. This is the last game we're going to look at. How cool is it? We got two orange teams playing in the orange. That bowl. is kind of cool. Clemson minus five against Tennessee. The total 63 and a half. And this game should actually be pretty decent. Uh, I hate that Tennessee is going to be without Hinton Hooker. They were one of the most fun, fun teams in the country to watch. He's obviously out, though. Jalen Hyatt, the best wide receiver in the country. He's not going to play. Neither is Cedric, Cedric Tillman. Tillman out. For Clemson, they'll be without DJ. That's a bonus for them. Maybe because when they switched over to Klubnik in the in the championship game, made a world of difference. If they would have beaten South Carolina, Clemson's in the college football playoff. Yeah, yeah. Here's what I don't. Here's what I like for Clemson. They their opt outs on defense. Miles Murphy and Trenton Simpson, both NFL opt outs, both rightfully so. Miles Murphy's probably a top five pick. Uh, Trent Mur- Trenton Simpson's probably a first round linebacker. Okay. But it doesn't matter. They've been so deep on their front. Mm-hmm. They have four NFL guys that will be starting on the on the defensive line in this game. For Tennessee to have success in a post-Hendon Hooker world, they have to run the ball. And I got news for you. Not happening against Clemson. You ain't running on this defense. And they're not stopping Clemson's offense because Tennessee is the fifth worst pass defense in the country. Every quarterback that they have played has gone absolutely wild against them. This is going to be if the if the championship game wasn't, this is the coming out party for Cade Klubnik to put the nation on notice that Clemson will be back next year. It's crazy to say back. They won eleven and two this year, yeah. right? But everyone seemed to have written them off. Well, it's not pretty. What they do is not yeah, pretty. Sure, but next year with Klubnik at the helm. They will be a force to be reckoned with. They'll be back in the college football playoff, in my opinion. This is the coming out party, and everyone's going to see how good this this kid is. Dabo goes balls out in bowl games. Yep. Um, and I think he feels like they need to win this game for it not to be considered a failure season. Yep. This is honestly this 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 is my best bet. Okay. Clemson to win and cover this game. I lean the under in this game just because I don't know where Tennessee's offense comes from. I, I, I think that they have I can't, a hard time. You can't bet an under with this Tennessee defense. Anthony Richardson threw for 450 yards. Bryce Young, <laughs> 400, Bryce Young, 455. Uh, Spencer Rattler, 438 yards and six touchdowns. Cade Klubin's going to throw for 350 and three scores, maybe by halftime. Yeah, you might be right. You can't take an under in a Tennessee game. All right. Well, I won't then. But Clemson is, yeah. Clemson's going to be able to stop the running game. They're going to score offensively. Dabble's going to coach this game as if it's a playoff game because that's really all he knows is coaching in playoff games. Right? Like, you look at the, what are they, what is he, 10 and 4 in bowl games? And a couple of those losses came in the college football playoff and the national championships. So he only knows coaching. Uh, bowl game, coaching playoff games. He's going to treat this like a playoff game. Clemson wins. Clemson covers. So for me, best bet would either be Florida State or Clemson. Um, Hop on board the orange train. Orange in the orange bowl. Yeah, it's a, a more interesting game. In. We might as well go with that. A little one. purple mixed in. All right, we'll they can wear white pants or purple pants. What do you think? Uh, the, uh, they they might wear the purple. They might wear they might wear some crazy uniform that's not orange at all, like all white. They might. Here we go. I got it. Here we go. Clemson has unveiled the uniforms for the Orange Bowl. Let's see. 
Here we go, here we go, here we go. What's it going to be? What's it going to be? To me, this is a playoff game and will be a playoff game in a couple of... Oh, this is amazing. This is quotes from Dabo Swinney. To me, this is a playoff game and will be a playoff game in a couple of years. I grew up watching Tennessee and Josh made Tennessee, Tennessee again. It's good and bad because you know they are really, really talented. So he says this is a playoff game. He going to treat this like a playoff game. This is amazing. Clemson's going to wear white jerseys, orange pants. What's Tennessee going to wear then? Don't know because Clemson. They don't have like alternate uniform. They're going to be all, they're, they're, I bet they're going to be all orange. Big, well, Clemson is, they got to choose because they are the designated home team. And the Clemson players voted for white jerseys, orange pants. I bet Tennessee's either all orange. I guess maybe have they worn all black. I guess it's been a long, long time. Since all right, I here we go. Uh, Clemson's opens up several possibilities for Tennessee. Don't see if they've chosen. Everyone keeps uh, keeps wondering. I mean, it's real speculation. Yeah, everyone wants to know what what they maybe the grays. Don't they have like the gray uniform? Oh, like they're uh, like graphite. Yeah, that might be. They, a good they could look. wear like the grays. Yeah, that'd be a good look for them. All right, what's your uh, what's your favorite total on the board? Oh boy, oh boy. Uh, let's see. Best bets, Clemson. I, I, favorite I'll, uh, total. You I'll, go first. I'll throw one out there. I, I like the I, I like the under in the Syracuse Minnesota game. And I like the over in the Texas Tech Ole Miss game. That's a high number in Texas Tech Ole Miss, right? Yep, 60, 71. 71. Let's go under Syracuse and Minnesota. Under 42. That's going to be like a 2017 game. Okay, so there you go. Under in the Pinstripe Bowl, Clemson in the Orange Bowl, our best bets for bowl extravaganza part Oh, it's Bowl Mania. Damn it. <laughs> Let me do that again. Bowl Mania Part 3. Appreciate you guys. Again, we will, Scott and I are going to get up on Friday morning. Yep. We are going to record another bowl episode for you. Yep. And we're going to have it posted on Friday so you can have all the action for the weekend ready to go because we're committed to this thing. We, you know, we want, we want to, we want to see you guys win money. That's our favorite thing, to be honest. Uh, Scott, do we have a promo code to give to the people for this pod? Yes, we do, and it's so generous of us. And we're in the New Year's spirit, so why don't we like stay in the New Year's spirit? You know what we do when we get to midnight? What do we do? We count down. Yes. And what do we use to count down? A clock. Oh. Okay. Clock 20. Okay. This is, is going, interesting. Is going to be our promo code. Clock 20. 20% off for listeners of this college football podcast. Good for the next week. So use it because if you don't use it, you lose it. Ooh. Clock 20. Like like you're running up against the, 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 the time. Yeah. I had a major issue, by the way, in the Georgia Southern game. <laughs> did, did you, did you win? No, no, it didn't matter. Okay. Georgia Southern wasn't winning the game. But at the end of the game, there's three minutes left. Mm-hmm. On a key third down, um, Georgia Southern's on defense. They allow the first down catch. Okay, Buffalo gets the first down. Is this the one they reviewed where they thought yes. maybe the guy was his foot was they out thought of bounds? He was, they thought his foot was out of bounds. This is what I don't understand. And tell me, how does this make sense? How is this even fair? There's 
the clock is at, you know, the play clock's winding down. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Buffalo's going to wait to the last second to snap it. Of course. There's three minutes left on the clock and nine minutes left on the play clock when the officials— Nine seconds. Nine seconds, excuse me. Three minutes left in the game, nine seconds on the play clock. The officials blow the whistle. And they say, oh, the previous play is under review. Okay, let's review it. Let's see if the kid stepped out of bounds. The referee comes back and says, upon further review, call on the field stance. First down. So what do they do? They reset the play clock to 25. And starting at three minutes, it counts down 25 seconds until Buffalo snaps the ball. Hmm. They took and the clock away. was moving? Yes. Yeah, that They took right. away 28 seconds, 20-something seconds away from Georgia State. Yeah. How is that fair? Yeah, that's not fair. I, I, I mean, I, I'm with you. I don't think it would have mattered in It the wouldn't end. have mattered, but it just it's the principle of the matter. Like, what if they had three timeouts left? Like, how do you, you know, every second counts. I just couldn't. That's what they say in I, sports. I just couldn't believe that they kept, you know, they allowed the play clock to wind all the way down. Then they blew the whistle to review the play. Then they reset the play clock and allowed it to run down 25 more seconds. Yeah, that's no good. Absolutely bizarre. But because I'm complaining about time, promo code CLOCK20, 20% off at pregame.com for listeners of this college football podcast. All right, that is going to do it. Thank you uh, to you guys for listening to us all season long. Like I said, one more episode. We may have a little uh, actually a natty episode. Are we? Are we going to send people to SOVAM? Oh, oh, that's called cross promotion. Here's what we're going to do right now. If you if you are not aware, Scott and I host a daily show every morning. Mackenzie River is a big part of that program. Steve Fezzik, a big part of that program. R.J. Bell occasionally joins that program when we can get him to. But. Every morning we are talking sports, we're talking lines. If you have not subscribed to that feed, do so now. Just go to your podcast player, search straight out of Vegas AM. That is where you will get our handicap of the national championship game. We're going to bring you all the other games on Friday. Yeah. But if you want our handicap on the natty, that's where you got to go. Straight yeah, so out of on Vegas Georgia, AM. Michigan. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's already determined, huh? Uh, so, again, thank you guys for listening. Again, we'll have that the special yep. episode. We'll preview TCU special on Friday. Special episode. You don't want to miss. TCU Georgia going to be a good game. But we appreciate you guys listening all season long. Well, I we can't will, believe we're going to be talking about a Michigan-Ohio State rematch. We will talk to you Friday. Good Offense, luck. play fast. Defense, swarm. Swarm, attack, attack. We get out, block them. We got to out-tackle them, we got to out-hit them and hustle. It's real simple. You out-block them, you out-tackle them, you out-hit them, and you out-hustle. Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt.